tonight is culture night, and it's, I'm going to cheat a little because um, as I was looking at the news and I was looking at everything that we could talk about, there were so many things that came to mind, and so many of them were like so controversial that I chickened out. I decided, <laughs> I was like, I can't do it. It was like, I felt like if I, if I uh, picked one of the subjects that was out there, I'd be like uh, walking in like in a, a clothes soaked with gasoline, carrying a match, just waiting for somebody to, you know, blow it onto me. But um, tonight I have decided that we're gonna, we are going to talk about culture in a manner of speaking, but maybe not as uh, it pertains to a specific news story or something like that tonight. Uh, but one of the biggest ideas that has captured our culture is the idea that people should, um, should do whatever makes them happy and that we all should support each other in whatever it is that we want to do, whatever it might be. So, in effect, we should become huge cheerleaders for each other for everything. I mean, you know, you can do it. Follow your heart. Whatever makes you happy, go for it. You can do it. And so that's what we expect from everybody when we bring to them our plans, when we're going through our lives. And um, so, you know, if we were to put love equals, it would be like love equals approval, support, praise, anything, hugs, all that. That's great. That's, that's, and there's nothing wrong with approval in and of itself, support in and of itself, or praise in and of itself. Uh, it's always good to have people around you that can build you up. Who wants to be around a constant downer? Nobody, right? I mean, you'd get new friends if that's the way it was, or you'd end up as depressed and miserable as they are. But, um, you know, it's not always a good thing when your friends are cheering you on. Several years ago, I read a book called Into Thin Air, and it was about a, uh, a situation that happened on Mount Everest back in 1996. Two groups of people decided that they wanted to climb to the top of the mountain. And um, so there's a process you go through to apply, you have to get special permission from the government of Tibet to do that. And so they went through this application process. And basically, the application process at that time was this, how much money you got, right? And so uh, if you had $50,000, you could uh, apply and you could get clearance, a ticket, to climb the mountain. And so there wasn't anybody like... Um, doctors or guides that would that would like check people's health conditions or their skill level to see if they were actually capable of climbing the mountain. If their money was good, they would grab these guides and they would try to, you know, drag them up the mountain, take their money, and go back down after they get a picture. But everything went wrong. And um, so, long story short they uh, got lost up on the mountain and low visibility, and they started wandering around high altitude, their minds went crazy, and most of them died. There was a movie about it called Everest uh, several, a couple of years ago. You might have seen it on Netflix. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is that 
those people, most of them, had no business being on that mountain whatsoever. And I was wondering, like, where were the people in their lives that were like, you know, can you imagine, you know, going to your uh, friends and say, hey, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest. What do you think? They're like, oh, yeah, go for it. It's a great idea. You know, you can do it. Cheer, raw. Uh, you know, we don't even think. We just support. That's all we ever do. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's a great idea. Whatever makes you happy, follow your heart. If that's what you really want, then just go for it. Everything will be perfect. And um, it can be a deadly mantra to just live and let live. You know, I, I, I live my life, I make my decisions, you live and you make your decisions and nobody interferes with anybody else. Because uh, the idea is that, and this is, this is true, we shouldn't try to live other people's lives for them. That's not a good idea. Um, you know, we shouldn't manipulate people into doing what we, they think, we think they should do. We shouldn't blackmail or threaten or bully or anything like that. But if we really do care about people, there will be times when we need to tell them they are wrong or that we think they have no business climbing a Mount Everest. Sorry. Why don't, we, why don't we tell people when we can see it plainly that they're heading for a cliff? Why don't we do that? Why don't we step up and say, wait a second, this is a bad idea. Why don't we do that more? I think that we're afraid. One, we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid that if we, if we tell the truth, our relationship isn't strong enough to hold it, and that if we do, then we'll lose a friend. And, but I ask you a question, what kind of a friend watches a friend self-destruct and just cheers them on right over the cliff? One of the hardest commands is in the Bible, in Ephesians 4.15. I'd like you to turn there if you would, in your Bible if you have it, and uh, maybe we can get it up on the back wall. If uh, Ephesians chapter 4 I did not put together a little presentation for Jake, so he's going to have to find it on the fly. But this verse, Ephesians chapter 4.15, is really important, and I want us to take a look at it. All right, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this evening, and I thank you for these students and these adults that are here tonight. Lord, we pray, I pray for us, that you would open up our hearts to receive the truth of your word. And Lord, I pray that as a result of our time together tonight, that these students would feel encouraged and lifted up, motivated even uh, to take courage and to love each other in ways that, that we don't see enough of in the world today. And so uh, we thank you for Jesus and how he loved us in this way, and we pray that you would help us to follow his example. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So balance. Balance is a really big thing in life. Uh, Lately, my physical therapist has been telling me that I need to practice balancing. 
on my, my bad leg. And so I've been doing a lot of balancing exercises. And it can be boring after a while. You just stand there and you just, you know, balance. So I tried to watching TV while I'm doing it and then, uh, you know, trying to like maybe jump and not fall over and do all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I'm trying to get better at balancing on this, on this leg. And I've been thinking a lot about balance. You pastors have funny brains. And so when we talk about things like this, it kind of sometimes logically falls into a, uh, a framework that we can use later for like a series. And so I'm working on a series on balance in the Christian life. And there are a lot of things that we need to keep in balance. And this is one of the primary ones that, that's very true. And very, balance is difficult, right? Because all around us, we see extremes. We see one extreme or the other. And it, uh, by itself, the truth isn't a bad thing. It's a great thing. By itself, love isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. But if we uh, understand the truth as being hard and edgy and maybe abrasive and love being soft and, and not squishy, that's a bad word for that. Uh, love is never squishy. Um, but a, a kind of gentle, you know, you've got the hard and the soft. And, and if you go too much in wonder, it's like the you know, Goldilocks and the three bears, right? You want, what porridge do you want? And you want the one that's too hot, too cold? Just right, right? And so there's balance when we can keep these two things in tension, speaking the truth and speaking in love. And so look for a series on balance in the near future. But I want to, uh, I mean, this, this concept has really impacted my life. I mean, I, I picked up playing the guitar in college and uh, I pity the people that had to listen to me play when I was learning. Because in a dorm, you know, you have your roommate and your suite mates. And my, there were three rooms sharing bathroom and then the walls were thin. And so, you know, I would play. And uh, I have a tendency to, like when I'm playing an acoustic guitar unplugged, just sitting somewhere, I play really hard and loud. And... Uh, and so my, my roommate, who, who had been playing the guitar for several years, came in one time and I was doing that. And I finished playing whatever song I was playing. I messed it up horribly. It was probably, he probably should have come in like this. And, uh, I, uh, and isn't it true that when we do stuff, we're like blind to our imperfections? And so I, uh, I finished the song and I was waiting you know, for that. Good job. Pat on the back. Cheer. Great job. And he's like, you know, Jay <laughs> he said, J Jason, you're really playing too loud and you're not singing loud enough. And so you can't hear the words over the sound of the guitar. And the guitar doesn't really sound all that good anyway. Your voice is better than your guitar, guitar playing. So you should really make your voice louder. And so, you know, you should kind of hide your bad guitar playing with your good voice. <coughs> <coughs> and... Uh, I was crushed, and, uh, and immediately I wanted to throw my guitar at him, and uh, I think I said something like, well, gee, thanks, or something. I'm sure I didn't hide with my expressions how disappointed I was in his response, but I'll tell you what, that was exactly what I needed to hear, exactly what I needed to hear, and it changed a lot for me, and 
I don't know if I would be playing the guitar in front of people if it weren't for that conversation that my roommate Brian had with me at that time. And he has no idea that that had that kind of an impact on me. And sometimes we never will know. Uh, but uh, it was huge for me. That's not what I wanted to hear. And, but it's the mark of a true friend. It really is. And he didn't say it in any way that was like angry or abrasive. He was kind about it. He was like, I, I want to help you get better at this. And so he spoke the truth. And he did it in a loving way. And I'm glad to have friends like that in my life. There's a phrase, constructive criticism. You ever hear that phrase? Constructive criticism? How many like that phrase? Uh, I don't like it. I understand it. I mean, constructive means productive, right? It's going to move things in the right direction. But the word criticism is in there. And I hate criticism, just like I think anybody else does. But uh, one of the greatest hum uh, tests of your humility in life, and you mark my words, you remember this moment, because there may come a day in your life where you're going to say, ah, he was right. So if you have children, okay, and they're, you know, small, getting a little bit older, and they notice something that you did that's not right, and they say something to you about it, you're going to be like, Show some respect for your elders. <laughs> you know, it's like, because one of the most humbling things is to accept criticism from somebody that's younger than you, especially your own children. And so mark that. It's going to come in your life. I imagine it's it. It's happened for me just this past week with Peter. And I'm not going to tell you that story. It's too embarrassing. But, um, and I, I, I would like to say that I responded in a very humble way and that uh, everything was great. But um, <laughs> I, I kind of ignored him and uh, just kept doing what I was doing. And then later I was like, you know, he was right about that. So I should probably go tell him that tonight. I'm feeling convicted by God's word this evening. So I'm going to practice what I preach and go apologize to him tonight. All right. Dropping truth bombs. It's not a good idea. Sometimes we do that because we get angry at people. Like, you're a jerk! And we just throw us all this on top of them and just let the chips fall where they may. We don't care in those moments how it affects them. In fact, sometimes, honestly, if we're really, truly honest, we hope it hurts. We hope it hurts a lot because it's revenge. That we use the truth as a weapon to hurt people to get back at them. And God never intended the truth to be a weapon to hurt people. Right now, Pastor Eric is going through a series on the book of Galatians, if you go to our church. And Galatians is a fascinating little gospel, not gospel, but letter in the middle of the New Testament. And Paul wrote it. And he wrote it to a group of churches that were doing the wrong thing. They were being led astray by bad teaching and, you know, if we take today's attitude about, you know, live and let live, Paul would have been just like, oh, oh, well, they decided to go down the wrong path. I'll just, you know, write a mature letter. Hey, guys, just keep following God. Uh, but no, I mean, if you read Galatians, especially chapter one, he's like, it's like fire breathing off the pages at um, the false teachers. And he's like, 
What is the matter with you people? How could you abandon the truth so easily? These people aren't even telling good lies and you're following them. Come on, you know, it's like, but he does it. And, and then, and then he's careful in the, the, the latter part of this letter to reaffirm them and to encourage them and to, so he gives them the truth in a very strong dose, but he doesn't just blast them with it and then leave it at that. He gives it to them as strong as they need it, but then he gives them love as well. That's a really important balance to maintain. So in conclusion, I have three questions, all right? Is there anyone you know who needs truth to be spoken into their life right now? Now, you may or may not be the person to speak that truth into their life, depending on the situation and your involvement. If you're a passive observer from the outside, it may, be, it may not be your business at all. If you are speaking the truth to somebody when somebody else should really be doing it, that's not good. That person should do it. That happens a lot with text messaging and things like that. I don't know how to speak the truth in love via text. Not really easy, because you can't hear voice inflection. You can't see body language. And so I don't think God ever intended for us to um, prefer one over the other. Now, Paul used written words to, to do that, but <laughs> uh, that's because it would have taken him probably two weeks to actually get to where they were, and he didn't, wasn't able to do that. So it was his only option. But if we have the option to speak to people face-to-face when we need to say something to them, that's always the best. It will always get the best results uh, rather than any other way. So that question again is, is there anyone you know who needs truth to be spoken into their life right now? All right. So if you've answered yes to that question, you need to do something in your mind. You need to check your motives. Why? Are you thinking that? And why are you wanting to do something about it? I read this uh, today on the uh, all-knowing internet. If we do it, that is, uh, speak truth to people, if we do it with the intention to speak forgiveness, to heal hurt, to speak love, to reveal a change of heart through goodness, or to point people to joy, We are doing it for the right reasons. If we really care about people, the Bible tells us that constructive criticism is incredibly loving. So that's the first question, and maybe you need to act on that one. How about the second one? Is there someone you know who is lost spiritually, they don't know Jesus, and you can see that they're heading for destruction and will miss heaven? Is there someone you know like that, that you call a friend? What kind of a friend are you? Because ending life, however long or short it is, without Jesus is a one-way ticket, not to heaven, but to hell. It's the going off of the cliff that never finds the bottom. And yet, we just support people. Good job. Hey. 
Is that really what friends do? Is it loving to live and let live when living and let living is living on the way to destruction? Or does true friendship take the risk and plead with them to turn from their sin and believe in Jesus for their salvation? Ask yourself if you're truly being a friend, a courageous friend. Okay, last question. Is there somebody who you don't talk to anymore because somewhere in the past they said something to you that you didn't like? Maybe it was something that they noticed about you and they confronted you and you wrote them off. Uh, maybe it was as petty as, you know, they were in the car when you were driving and, and they said, you know, you, you, watch out, you're, you're going through that stop sign or whatever. And you were like, don't tell me how to drive. And then you never talk to them again. That would be really petty. Um, but what about like the situation that I've seen over and over and over and over and over again as a youth pastor where, you know, um, you got two friends. Let's just say they're girls. And girl A starts dating boy. And girl B says, he's bad for you. And girl A is like, you don't know anything about me. I'm not talking to you anymore. Happens all the time. And girl B was being a true friend because the guy was a jerk. She shouldn't have been anywhere near him, but because she's so in love with him, she can't see past her nose. And that happens all the time. And we lose good friendships because somebody has enough courage to stand out and say something about it. And instead of, instead of um, rewarding them for their courage and their love for you, we, we, we destroy our friendship and we write them. It's so awful. Is there anybody in your life like that right now who has been that real friend and you've written them off? Perhaps you need to go back to them and you need to apologize and ask them for your forgiveness. What a valuable uh, relational thing it is to have somebody, like my friend who told me about the guitar thing. There are way more important things than playing the guitar. But if you have a person in your life that loves you and you know it, and they, and they have the, the courage to tell you when you're screwing your life up, that is somebody to hold on to and to try as, as hard as you can to make that even a lifelong friend. No matter if, you know, you always live near each other or one of you moves away, whatever it is, that is a friendship worth holding on to because that is one of the advantages of Facebook and Instagram and social media today is that if people do find each other separated by distance, they can still maintain some of those relationship bonds. You know, ultimately, guys, this is about Jesus because he showed us what the Bible calls the most excellent way. And Romans says it so well that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he did so because uh, God, it says God loved us that much. And John talks about it a lot when he talks about God's love. But the Proverbs tells us that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
And many people think that he was referring to Jesus when he said that. And for me, that has been very much true. He's always been there, and he's always loved me enough to refuse to leave me alone in my sin. It started with my salvation. He rescued me from the darkness. He saw me going to destruction, and he brought truth into my life in a loving way, turned me around, set me in the right direction, and he's been my friend ever since. And that's what Jesus wants to be for all of us. And so I hope that you have a friend like Jesus. There's an old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Uh, It has such great words, and I love that because I believe that Jesus is the best friend that I've ever had because he's never done anything selfish. He's never done anything to hurt me for hurt's sake. He always loves me. Even when he's doing something that I don't appreciate, I can trust that his motives are loving. And people will let you down. Even the best friends that you have will do things to you that disappoint you and relationships get strained. But God is always faithful. And so, do you have a friend that's courageous enough to tell you when you're screwing up? Are you courageous enough to tell a friend when they are screwing up? Let's balance the truth and love, all right? Lord, we thank you for this time together tonight. I thank you for your word. And uh, as we kind of close our time together tonight, I pray that um, you would help us to, I think courage is such a huge thing in this conversation because um, it's, it's, it doesn't take much courage to just cheer people on and tell them what they want to hear. Uh, and honestly, it doesn't take all that much courage either. It just takes a lot of emotion and anger to just blast people. But to balance that takes thoughtfulness and real care. And Lord, I pray that this evening that you would prick our hearts if this is something that we need to work on. And Lord, we thank you for being the forgiving God that you are. And we pray that you would uh, move us closer to the truth and help us to grow in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.